I want to give credit for these messages to the men that I have followed in preparing these sermons. I forgot to do that last week. Very little of these messages is original with me. I depended heavily on the work of Proverbs by Charles Bridges, who was an English vicar. This is considered to be one of the best works ever done on Proverbs. Also, I used the works of John Owen, who was considered to be the greatest of the Puritan writers. He was from Ireland. Also, Wilhelmus of Beckel, who was from the Netherlands. All three of these men were contemporaries. They were Puritans living in the 17th century. I would like to begin this morning with the word of Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This brings to mind a very important question. What is it? What is it that would make a man turn away from the wonderful wisdom of a holy God? There can be but one thing, and that must be spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness caused by a perverted heart. A heart so warped, so warped as to be unable to see even the, the brightest spiritual light. This is the condition of the natural man. His heart is wicked. It's deceitful above all things. Nothing but evil imaginations come from his heart continually. What is the reason for this? It starts at the beginning. It starts in the Garden of Eden. Man in the Garden of Eden chose to turn away from God and go his own way. A way that led him into spiritual death. Unregenerate men have dead hearts and dead spirits. They are unable to search out anything to do with the wisdom of God. When the wisdom of God is presented to the unregenerate man, he rejects it. Instead, he declares himself to be all wise. He cannot see his need of God. To him, God is nothing more than just simply superstition. Yes, even though God has placed in all men the knowledge that he exists, they bury that knowledge. They bury it deep in their hardened hearts, and they refuse to acknowledge it. Such is the condition in which all men enter this world. How does all of this help us with, with the understanding of God's wisdom? The first thing we must understand is that God is far wiser than men. The condition of man is not a surprise to God. God knew he was when he created man what was going to happen. So even before the foundations of this earth were laid, God had a plan for mankind. He planned to redeem out of the mass of sinful humanity a people unto himself. It is in this great plan of redemption that we are able to see the wisdom of God clearly. Now I want to show you the wisdom of God this morning. First, I hope you will see that God's wisdom is beyond human comprehension. Second, that you will see that Jesus Christ is God's wisdom. Third, that you will find Christ's wisdom is a gift. And fourth, that you know that Christ's wisdom results in salvation. Now, if you're anything like me, the first thing I thought as I began to study God's wisdom and saw the scriptures make the case for God's wisdom being beyond human comprehension was why study it then? It can't, if we can't understand it, what's the point in laboring over it? Well, our God is a gracious God. And he knows our weaknesses. So he made a promise. 
a promise in giving the new covenant. Turn with me, if you will, to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. Now, these are my two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture because this lays out the new covenant for us. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. He promises. He promises he will give you a new heart. He will give you a new spirit. So with his help, the Holy Spirit, he's going to give that also. You can come to an understanding of his wonderful wisdom. But let's look at his wisdom and see what makes it so much greater than our natural minds can comprehend. Have you ever considered the size of the universe? It was founded by God's wisdom. Proverbs 3.19 The Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens. The universe is bigger than we can really even begin to fathom. The nearest star to our sun is four light years away. One light year is the distance light travels in a year. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. As one fellow said, that out drag a Chevrolet. So if you multiply that out, light travels 976,937,600,000 miles per year. The nearest part of the heavens, not a part of our solar system, is four times that distance from us. That's nearly four trillion miles away. And that's as close a neighbor as stars get. Our planet is but a microscopic piece of dust in comparison to the size of this universe. Mankind has taken such pride in going to the moon. Yet the distance from Earth to the moon is less than one-sixteen billionth of the distance to the nearest star. The Lord laid the foundation of this earth by his wisdom. He took this little piece of dust and then created in it all that man would ever need to survive. He then set this little insignificant piece of dust in a vast cosmic ocean. He hung it on nothing. In the midst of a vast array of stars, he created all these stars and hung them in their places by his understanding. Who this morning can tell us how God has made this world? Who can tell us how God hung the earth on nothing? Many men have put forth theories, but no man can tell us how God did it. Why? Because his wisdom is so much greater than ours. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His wisdom is not just seen in the material things of this universe. It's also seen in the ways of God. Consider Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to consider a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Here, we see an important contrast between the great king of heaven and the penny kings of earth. We're told that the glory of God is to conceal things, and the glory of earthly kings is to search them out. These are direct opposites. 
In Psalm 18.11, we're told about God. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. God hides himself in the darkness of water and clouds. We are also told in Psalm 104.2, It is God who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. 1 Timothy 6.16, Who alone is immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light? Who no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power? Amen. God lives in a light so bright as to be unapproachable. God has so much wisdom and understanding in himself that men can never plumb his depths and understand him completely. And I ask you, what glory could a God totally known by his subjects deserve? What he reveals to us in the scripture only shows us how much has been concealed. We look around us at his works and the vastness and intricacy of it all then we understand these works show us the ways of God and we must wonder how much more is there. Consider the glorious work of forgiveness. John Owen, one of the greatest of the Puritans, said of the work of salvation, were it not somewhat beyond what men could imagine, no flesh could be saved. I pray you all come to see this. Were not the works of Jesus Christ deeper than our hearts can understand? Salvation could never have been offered. Why is that so? Because we are not to trust in what we understand. This is a very important point. We are to trust in the wisdom of God, which is far more complex than our hearts can conceive. Let me give you the words of the prophet Agur from Proverbs 30, verses 2 and 3, as he speaks to kings about his knowledge. Surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I never learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Agur speaks for all of us. He speaks for all of us when it comes to the wisdom of God. We are called to wade out, wade out into the depths of the Christ gift to us and drown ourselves in the mystery of God's wonderful grace. Open your ears to hear, your heart to understand. Your life is in the hands of the sovereign, all-wise God. Place your hope, place your trust in him and in him alone. Not only are God's works and ways higher than ours, but his thoughts also. Proverbs 19, 21. There are many plans in a man's heart, Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Also consider Proverbs 21.30. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Last week, we spoke of the cause of great disasters, and we said that God was in control. He's in control of all things. So why do bad things happen? God created a perfect world. He placed man in that world. Man was created with perfect righteousness, knowledge, and holiness. But man did not believe God, but chose to believe the lie Satan brought him that the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. Man sinned. He was lost in spiritual death. He no longer had a heart to believe God. 
He was self-consumed and thought he was now equal to or better than any god. So, God sent his wrath upon the earth and man. Man, unwilling to hear and repent, set out to build his own empire. He used the little knowledge God had given him to build weapons of destruction, weapons of war, to try and become the greatest among the least. You must understand, everything man builds is based on knowledge that is limited and falls short of full understanding. Therefore, all of what man builds will fail at some point in time. If it's an airplane flying across the sky, it can fail and fall to the ground. We've seen it happen many times. If it's a ship like the Titanic, it can fail and sink. If it's a building like as we saw in Florida recently, it can deteriorate and collapse at some point in time. Why does these things happen? Because man rejected God's wisdom. He went his own way and everything he undertakes has the sin flaw in it. God's wisdom is perfect. And those things built on God's wisdom never ever fail. Mankind was sent, has sent men into space. Some as far away as the moon. But now, how many lives has it cost? It costs lives because our knowledge is imperfect. The answer to the bad things that happen is always sin. Those bad things will continue to happen until mankind has seen their sin and their need of a Savior. What Jesus Christ returns, he will take, when he returns, he will take all that, that have seen their sin and their need. He will create a new heaven and a new earth, and they will live with him forever in the perfect knowledge of God. You must understand, Jesus Christ is the source he is the very foundation and embodiment of the wisdom of God. It's through him and through him alone that God has revealed to us his wonderful wisdom and his marvelous grace. You must understand, Christ is God's wisdom revealed to men. You must accept him as the only Savior that can deliver you from your sin. Please, please place your hope in Jesus Christ. Place your trust in nothing else for your salvation. Christ is the second person of the triune Godhead. He is the one through whom God has chosen to reveal himself to mankind. Christ came to earth clothed in flesh. That flesh was a veil. It was a veil hiding from man his glory. On Calvary's cross, that veil was torn, and his glory was revealed for all to see who would hear and believe. Have you heard his call to repent and believe? That's an important question. You need to search your heart. Do you really believe? Have you really repented of your sin? Have you turned from your selfish and sinful lifestyle and believed on Jesus Christ? You must do this if you're to be saved from your sin and guilt. There's no other way. You must understand what the psalmist said in Psalm 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You must call on Jesus Christ with a broken and contrite heart. You must do it right now. You have to do it right now because you're guaranteed nothing more than this passing moment. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. Listen to John 1.1. 1, 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Proverbs 8.22 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Here. Here is the Word that was with God in the beginning and was God. Here you see the wonderful unity of the triune God. It shows you clearly, the Lord possessed me. That me is Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit were one for all eternity. No decision was made by the Father that was not agreed on by the Son and the Spirit. No plan made without all three in perfect harmony. This was the glory. This was the glory that Jesus Christ had with the Father before the incarnation. Just We just read in John 1.1, and the word was with God. This tells us clearly that Christ is ever rested in the bosom of the Father. Proverbs 8.23-26 I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. Where there was, were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were, were no fountain, that fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. Jesus Christ. He was present in the age before the world was made and man conceived in the mind of God. Christ existed with the Father in the closest possible fellowship. He took extreme delight in his communion with the Father. It is this communion prior to the incarnation that so impressed itself upon the word such that it was never nor could it ever have been erased from his consciousness as is evidence from the high priestly prayer of John 17, 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus was the uncreated wisdom of God. John 1, 3 and 4. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The wisdom of God is here displayed through the process of creation. Later, he becomes the very embodiment of God's wisdom. He's revealing to men the glory and splendor of the great creator God. James was not just a spec- Jesus was not just a spectator at the creation of this world but he was the very agent of that creation. In creation, we see the creative details of God's wisdom. From the highest summits to the unsearchable foundations of this earth, God's uncreated wisdom in all of his glory, the eternal divine wisdom which we know to be the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. As we read in John 1, 4, in him was life. And that life was the gift of God to a lost and dying world. What does this gift mean to the believer? James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This gives us the communion with God we so desperately need through his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. In him was life. And that is the reason he can declare that he has life within himself. He had this perfect communion with the Father. 
Proverbs 8.30. Then I was beside the Father as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Jesus had this perfect communion with the Father. Christ was ever at the Father's side. He was the object of the Father's delight. He was ever rejoicing before him as the center of infinite joy. You have to understand. It was this intimate satisfaction and delight that tells us of the beginning ways of God. This is the heart of his eternal purpose. From Zechariah 6, we hear of the branch that will come. We are also shown the perfect harmony between the branch and the God the Father. This branch is Jesus Christ. From this, theologians have developed the doctrine of the Council of Peace. This council took place between the three members of the Trinity. It took place in eternity past, and from it came the idea of the creation and the salvation of some men through the blood of Jesus Christ. We can see the love of this triune God as they plan to create and redeem a people unto themselves. This means that we, the believers in Jesus Christ, will because of his work of living the perfect life, dying the atoning death, and winning the resurrection victory, be able to join this perfect union. Do you understand what that means? We're going to be a part with God of his perfect union if we keep believing and trusting in Christ and in Christ alone. In this we learn that it is those in Christ who will join in this perfect communion with the triune God. Life is given to all who will hear his call to repent and believe. Have you heard that call? If you have not, I'd call you to listen and hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All that will hear, all that will admit their sins and will call on his name with a humble heart will be heard and will have their sins blotted out forever. That gospel is very clear. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He came to live that perfect life, to die the atoning death, to win the resurrection victory. He did all of this for you. And all you have to do is place your hope and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Not Christ in your works, not Christ in your church, not Christ in your pastor, but Christ and Christ alone. That's the gospel. If you're holding to him, then you have eternal life. Because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. John 1.4 also tells us the life was the light of men. Proverbs 8.31 adds, Rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. In in, In view that Jesus was the light of men, and that he was rejoicing over his works on behalf of the sons of men, I want you to think about what the cost of what Jesus did in bringing salvation to this sinful world. At what great cost did he provide your salvation? It is not a great wonder that he would endure such a terrible price for those that showed no love to him. A greater wonder, even than that, is that this world should ever have been created in the first place. Yet we are told, we are told that he rejoiced in the creation And he delighted in mankind. Here's a great mystery. That even though men rejected him, he continued to show his grace, mercy, and love to them. 
He chose to make some men the very temple of his dwelling. For them he exchanged the throne of heaven for the cross of Calvary. He traded the worship of angels for the scorn and persecution of men. He gave up the glory of heaven with his inexpressible joy for the untold sorrow of this life. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we serve. What strength of love that brought him such glory and delight to suffer such horrible things for sinners like us. On this foundation, O Lord, do your people rest in security and confidence, for you truly are the life and light of men. In Christ's wisdom is found the results of salvation. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 15. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is found only, only in Jesus Christ. He said it in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen to Proverbs 8, verses 32 through 34. Now therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Please understand, this is not just another person calling you. This is the very wisdom of God the one who is the source of all knowledge and light, the very King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who returns with his reward for all that are his children, the great and wonderful guide of his people, the great and good shepherd. Look at him afresh. Look at him afresh as the only begotten Son of God, the mediator of the everlasting covenant, the sovereign Lord Almighty, the creator, the loving friend of sinners, Should not his divine majesty, should not his condescending love cause us to grasp at the hem of his garment? Should we not hang on his every word? Should we not obey his every command? We must never forget that his promised reward belongs only to those who keep his ways. Those who love him must with godly fear, constancy and perseverance, keep their eyes firmly fixed on him. Don't look away. Look at him. Look at him and him only. Their hearts must be turned to his word. Their feet entrenched in the path of righteousness, which he has so clearly shown. Those who work hard at these things in their lives will truly be blessed. My friends, if you love Jesus Christ, you must choose right. You must walk with surety. You must live with happiness so that you can progress with honor and end in glory. Does this not clearly show you that you must listen to his instruction and be wise? You must not ignore his wisdom. You must, with the obedience of faith, listen. You don't simply do what he commands. You do because he commands. It's not your place to decide if what he commands is good for you or bad for you. You do what he commands because you know his wisdom is greater than yours.
This is the hearing of faith. This is Christ's voice calling from deep within your heart. Only by listening to his voice and following its wisdom can you find salvation. What are the blessings that await those that listen and hear? Proverbs 8.35 For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. They find life. They find life for the one upon whom they wait is the author, the dispenser, and the keeper of life with all of his privileges. So as you wait on the Lord, keep this thought ever before your mind. It is life I need and everlasting life that I seek. I will knock on his door until it is opened. And I know because of his promise, I will not wait in vain. Listen to John 3.18. He who believes in me is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I ask all that would think my words foolishness. Please consider. Consider in your own heart the prospect of rejecting this wisdom. You are being more cruel to yourself than, than anyone else could ever be. Every time you give in to another temptation, you come closer to the suicide of the soul. To deny Christ is to commit soul murder. Are you in love with yourself? If you are, you're also in love with damnation. Hear the words of Proverbs 8.36. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. They love the very thing that is set to kill them. They reject the very thing that can give them life. Sinners die and go to hell. Why? Because that's where they want to do. That's what they want to do. That is where they believe they will be free of God and his commands. This wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ is to be proclaimed to all men, leaving them without excuse. They will not be able to raise their voices in protest for their own hearts will rise up and accuse them. I don't know about you, but I can't even begin to imagine the depth of despair and hopelessness that such a recognition will produce in their hearts and it will never find relief. They will fall deeper and deeper into it for all of eternity and they are eternally consumed by their guilt. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. It's not hard. If you see the sin in your heart, if you call out to God because your sin has caused you agony, he has promised. He has promised he will hear your cry. And through his only begotten son and the blood he, through his, he shed on Calvary's cross will wash away your sins, throwing them into the sea of forgetfulness never to remember them again. He will give you his Holy Spirit. He will mark you as his. And on that last day, he will establish you in perfect righteousness, knowledge, and holiness in order that you can live with him forever. Hear these words of life. Follow them into the arms of Jesus Christ, who is the only Savior of the souls of men. Let us pray.
Father, we just studied about your wisdom. That wisdom is the foundation of life itself. The wisdom we know is the wisdom revealed through your word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Open our hearts to understand what your wisdom has given us. Help us to recognize the grace you have poured out on us through Jesus Christ. Let that wisdom lead us to the salvation of our souls. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.